Yeah. And welcome to Unnecessary Inks, your local YA tipsy book podcast. You said that so normally, and like I while know. I was taking a sip of wine, <laughs> I was really expecting you to say like something random to try to get me to spit out my wine. So thank you for not doing that. <laughs> You're welcome. I spend too much time with teenagers. They're pranksters, you know? <laughs> Obviously. I'm very nice. <laughs> I won't do that to you. This is true. You are very nice. How are you doing this week, Julia? What are you drinking tonight? I am doing well. I what am I drinking? A Barbera from Pied no Barbera from Piedmont, I think I'm drinking. I don't know. I put the bottle away and I don't feel like getting enough to check. <laughs> but Checks um, out. I'm drinking an okay wine. It's not great. It's by a producer who makes really good good other wines Mm -hmm. um this one just isn't good uh let me down i spent a lot of money on it and let me down oh i'm Um, sorry yeah my past week i haven't done much i uh had a migraine for like four days which was super fun somehow in there i had a break in my migraine and i went out and actually bought myself wine which was impressive Uh Uh-huh, and I went to Barnes & Noble, picked up some books, and then I came back, and my migraine was back, and I was like, okay, well, thanks for waiting until I got home. (laughs) Um, The silver linings. literally my week. I know. (laughs) I I did not leave my bed. Okay, I was thinking about this, though. I worked from home today when I would normally be in the office, and I feel like I got way more done just, like, sitting in my bed doing mm-hmm. work than I would normally in the office. Like, my motivation level and my productivity levels are so much higher just, like, laying down in my bed with my laptop in my lap and, like, focusing. I don't know. Like, I think it's, like, the comfort, mm-hmm. the environment, the quiet. Like, it just felt so much nicer than the office. Like, I can't yeah. believe I'm saying that. I never thought I would be the person to say that, but I think I like working from home more than the office. That's fair. I get it. I like the office still, I think, for, like, major things. Like, when we have big projects going on, it's a lot yeah. easier to do that in to person. To collaborate, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But... My office is still pretty quiet because people haven't started coming mm. back yet. So, like, I'm looking forward to at least eventually starting to go back, like, once or twice a week um, and working my way up to three times a week, probably by January. But... That's where we're at. We're at mandatory three times a week. Yeah. We are, too, um, starting November 1st for the majority of the offices, but San Francisco is not in that because uh, we still have a mask mandate in place. So if you want Mm -hmm. to be at your desk or inside, you have to wear a mask at all times, Um, even if no one's sitting around you. I mean, a lot of people remove their mask if no one's sitting around them, but, like, if you're... So you can in open seating and you're not in a private office yeah you're supposed to have a mask on and they don't foresee that changing anytime soon so they're not gonna make us come back that's so nice we have a mask mandate and we have to go in three days a week so i i think my company knows that they would like struggle to get us to come into the (laughs) office just given like you know like the culture of work in san francisco it's a lot more laid back and like people you know, when we're surrounded by the Googles and the Facebooks of the world and they're not forcing employees to go back, it's kind of hard to be like, employees, we're making you come back. 
mm-hmm. for your salary job yeah. because <laughs> then they're like, we're everyone's just gonna be like, well, cool, we're just gonna go work at Facebook. Bye. <laughs> Facebook means all the help they can get after this week. They really do. They have a lot of stuff going on right now. I was like, wow, great day not to be working at Facebook. Amen to that. Um, but what are you drinking? How are you doing? I'm drinking a red wine. Could not tell you. No idea the type. It's been open and sitting in my fridge for a while now. It does not taste good, but you know what? Oh my god. I'm not wasting the alcohol, so. Okay, good for you. I have, after this one, I have one bottle left from my February shipment. How is that possible? Like, I feel like I definitely got like six bottles a few months ago and like you got that before I got my bottles yeah but I got 15 bottles but yeah I guess it's true it's a lot of a lot of wine and I literally really only drink for this podcast Mm. true like every so often I may open up a glass of wine or like open up a bottle of wine and have a glass not on a podcast night but I always try to normally time it so that I still have some wine left for the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or otherwise I'll just drink a cider. <laughs> great. <laughs> trying uh, trying real hard here. Doing great. <laughs> um, but my week's been... My week's been good. Um, I also went to Barnes & Noble this week. Uh, Surprise. <laughs> I know. I'm the literal worst. I was like, Barnes & Noble this weekend, half price books the weekend before that. I'm like, just, uh, the worst. And I'm barely reading, like, two, and I'm not reading print books. Like, I'm not reading the books that I buy. Do you know what I'm reading right now? I'm reading The Burning God, which is the third book in the Poppy War trilogy, which I bought this special edition of from Illumicrate. So it is not a book that I bought at Barnes & Noble. Um, it's a book that I specially ordered. <laughs> and then I'm reading Dance of Thieves from Kindle Unlimited. And Zodiac Academy 5 from Kindle Unlimited. So both of those are not books that I own. Even though I own like 200 Kindle books, I have not read. You have a problem. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Well, to be fair, Dance of Thieves, I originally had out from the library, and then I just wasn't going to finish it in time. Um, Thankfully, it's on Kindle Unlimited, so I'm just slowly starting to finish it on on Kindle Unlimited. Um, But yeah, I keep taking books out from the library instead of reading the books that I know. I don't know why I'm like this. I I choose every morning I wake up and I choose violence. I don't know what to tell you. Also, this Zodiac Academy book, I checked Kindle, like, well, not not my Kindle app, but I checked, like, Amazon, because, you know, they give you, like, the page count for the Kindle editions to tell you, like, how many pages the book is. Mm-hmm. Book five in the Zodiac Academy series is, like, 850 pages long. Are you kidding me? What on earth? What are they doing? I'm telling I have told you so many times these books are not just smut. 
There is plot. There is so much plot. So much happens. I am so confused by these sorts of series. I, like, don't get it. I just don't understand them. It's, the way I think about it is it's, like, the, and I think the reason I like reading them so much, again, not because of the smut, but because it feels like a shitty TV show that I would be, like, obsessed with. Kind of like The Order on on Netflix. Like, I, you know, remember I was watching that when I was with you, and I was obsessed with that show, and it's not good. Like, it's not good television. This is not literature by any means, but the characters are really compelling. The way that they interact with each other is super interesting, and it's always changing, and so, like, there's just so much to learn, and there's so much character development, and then I thought, I feel like she's, the the authors have done a really good job building the world. Like, it's a really interesting world that combines, like, 17 different kinds of fantasy stories. Like, it combines paranormal aspects with, like, werewolves and vampires and stuff. It combines fae aspects with, like, fairy magic. It has elemental magic, like it's fucking Avatar. <laughs> they have, like, it's so It's, it's got so cool. everything. They got shadow magic. Like, it's the oh Darkling. It's great. It's great. I'm telling you, this these book series are a gem. <laughs> if you ever get bored and you get Kindle I'm Unlimited. I'm so glad that you enjoy them. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've just been escaping my life by uh, reading Zodiac Academy and... The Burning God. To be fair, I'll read a little bit of The Burning God or Dance of Thieves, and then I need something a little bit more, like... Yeah. (laughs) It's fair to go to a romance after that, I feel like. You need it. Well, that's... I read... um, is not for the lighthearted. After I finished The Burning God this weekend, I, like, ran through the fourth book in the off-campus series. That is pure smut, no plot. (laughs) <laughs> but it was good <laughs> anyways uh where we didn't get in our book is smut thank god because i hate smut and YA. i would also be very concerned about august and kate if they went to that that quickly <laughs> they're like scared of touching each other Literally, we got one touch in the two chapters that we read for this podcast, and it was like, whoa, we're in a K-drama. We really are. Just like you get those, like, longing glances that last for, like, one second too long, and you're like, I'm fulfilled, and it's everything I need. (laughs) So funny. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah, so we're reading chapters 9 and 10 of this Savage Song from verse three um, this week, and uh, they're quick, so hopefully we'll go, we'll go fast. We get a lot of quality car time in these yes. chapters. The road trip store you never knew you needed, and maybe didn't need. But you know what? No. We're here for it. It's fine. Um, do you want to give us a synopsis, Julia? I do. <laughs> so verse three, chapter nine. Kate asks August to tell her something to distract her from the pain while she's driving. They cross into the waste, changing from the nice suburbia of the green to absolutely nothing. They are driving along a supply line with UV lights framing the road. 
we get a little history lesson about the time before the phenomenon when the roads were used more, but with the monsters now, only supply trucks make the dangerous trek, as there are lots of corsi waiting to pick off unsuspecting travelers. Kate knows that this dead zone doesn't go on forever, but there's more out there. She repeats her request for August to tell her something, and he just sits and taps his leg, not quite looking well. She asks for a story, and he tells her he doesn't like stories. Kate notes that's weird, because most people like to use stories to escape. He barely responds, which is frustrating her, so she tries to turn the radio on, but it is static. She pushes him to talk, and he forces out some conversation, saying he doesn't understand why people want to escape, because he's so worried he may just stop existing one day that he loves getting to live as he is. Kate then asks what happened to Le Ilsa, Lisa. <laughs> oh yeah, my sister Lisa. <laughs> Sorry, Ilsa. <laughs> uh, so she seems a bit cuckoo. August says she has always been that way, and he recently realized it was because of her catalyst. He tells her I are the result of tragedies, acts of horror, so malevolent that they upset the world balance. Leo came from a suicide cult that took entire families with them, and Ilsa came from a bombing in what is now Harker Hall. A lot of people locked themselves in there trying to stay alive after the phenomenon occurred, and someone figured out it would be better if everyone was dead. So they brought a bomb into the basement, and Ilsa was born. How poetic. The fuck? Yeah. So Leo is righteous from righteous <laughs> from his catalyst. <laughs> uh, Ilsa is scattered. I'm doing really well right now. Uh, Ilsa, here, let me try that again. <laughs> so Leo is righteous from his catalyst. Ilsa is scattered. And August, he admits, is lost, given his catalyst was a school shooting. They both go silent, and then the car makes a bad sound, loses speed, and dies. Dun-dun-dun. Verse 3, Chapter 10. The car had run out of gas, and August is freaking out. Kate grabs a flashlight and says they will grab a ride, and August is being extremely sassy, which confuses her. He starts walking, trying to clear his head and take back control of his willpower. He'd want to eat the man in the garage that he had been fighting, but the man hadn't been a killer, so his soul was technically clean. He gets himself under control and heads back to Kate. He gives her his jacket because she's shivering and he's feverish, and he puts a hand on her shoulder, which actually helps him feel steady. They have a little moment, and then he realizes there are dots in the sky, which surprises him because he has never before seen stars. <laughs> little dots. That's so sad. It's sad. They chat about the stars, and she's able to pull a small smile from his lips. Kate realizes that the smile disappears quickly, and something is very wrong with August. He gets a new telly, which he's sort of proud of, then lights suddenly pour near them from the direction of the city. Kate waves around her flashlight, and the semi stops. The driver is confused as hell as to why two kids are in the middle of the waste, and Kate asks for a ride. The driver doesn't want to take her, but she offers her silver pendant as payment, which he accepts. He tells her he won't deal with smuggling and will not get them anywhere near the border. She tells him they aren't trying to cross, and when he asks what they're doing out here, she almost tells him the truth thanks to August's influence. However, with August's help, she is able to craft a lie that they drove there after a dare after the concert in the green. 
He says he'll take them to the next truck stop and then they need to find their own way, which Kate agrees to. She throws a glance to August, but he's, his face is hidden in the shadow. And that's the end. I'm pretty sure it's he is face, Julia. I definitely wrote that correctly the first time. I foresaw it, and I corrected it before I said it. I was proud of myself. I'm the worst typist. Like, it's okay. Ever. I said, what What did I say? I righteous? said, Leo is righteous, and I called Ilsa Lisa. <laughs> Falling apart. Yeah, I hope people don't come here for accurate book <laughs> content we do our best we have fun with it you know it's that's what matters it's free content what can you expect this is true it costs us money to make this content it does (laughs) oh god um should we get into the into the general commentary julia what did you how did you feel about chapter nine um (sighs) How did I feel? How did I feel about chapter nine? Uh, I was nervous for August. I, like, honestly kept waiting. Every time I would turn the page, I kept waiting for him to, like, just snap. Snap. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Like, obviously, he's not going to, like, murder her. She's, first of all, not a sinner. And second of all, like, that would be the end of the book. But they can kill innocents if they go dark. So if he snaps, true, she did. <laughs> That's the end of this series. <laughs> A book it's early, now just August, <laughs> unhinged for the rest of the series. <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> no, the Kate's still alive by the end of this book. Yeah, well, so he doesn't snap, which um, I was relieved to find. Uh, but, of course, as in all good road trip books, even as short as one chapter, <laughs> the car has to die. <laughs> naturally, naturally. Naturally. Well, in a um, scary road trip. In a happy road trip, they get where they need to go. Yes, that's true. I'm, um... Yeah, most of my comments are for chapter 10, I just realized. There's not a whole lot that happens in chapter 9, um, except for the reveal of, I guess, how Leo, Ilsa, and August were kind of born, which we sort of knew already how they were born. Um, it's just interesting to hear the, like, adjectives attached to how yeah. the action, essentially. Um, well, how August, it's impacted them. Yeah. August is really sad. Um, I don't think that we had actually learned that... It was a school shooting, did we? We did, because he woke up, like, he got up amongst the bodies of a bunch of 12-year-olds. That's right. Okay. Um, and then, it's just, like, the whole, like, him being lost because of it, and the way that it's described. Wait, where was the quote? Um, lost. I'm what happens when a kid is so afraid of the world, he lives in that escapes he lives in that he escapes the only way he knows how violently like that's dark <laughs> really it is I, it was breaking um, my heart when when it, yeah. he was talking about that because like that he's the result of someone who was so lost and didn't know how to handle or process the world and so just 
turn to violence because that's all that either they had seen or that had been done upon them. Because most of the time when you have kids like that who go to school, like, they've either been bullied or they've only been given, really, like, video games, murdery video games as, like, their outlets. And so they don't have healthy outlets to learn how to process their emotions and they get really detached from from reality and then of course when you're detached you get lost right like it's just yeah it's complicated right there's a lot of factors that kind of lead to school shootings um and oh yeah it's sometimes i think even beyond um feeling lost when you think about like i don't want to get like super dark but we think about like Columbine, um, I think it was more than just the two students feeling lost in that instance. Um, and there's other ones where, like, it's more attention-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like... There's a myriad of reasons that teens and young adults do this stuff. Yeah. I think feeling lost is one way to frame it for one yeah. particular kid. And so there are per- there are reasons that that kid feeling lost and, like, not knowing how to process the changes in the world and Mm -hmm. how they could healthily adapt to those changes that they act out in violence because violence is what they're seeing on the streets all around them. Because I'm presuming August was born in South City, right? So this is a place where the monsters are running free. You have kids whose parents might be getting murdered by monsters or eaten Mm -hmm. by monsters. All they see is violence and they're seeking a sense of control that is not actually control and they just aren't processing properly and it's it's just so sad but it did I don't know like especially growing up in America and like hearing the stories of school shootings on the news day in and day out and like having to practice the drills it's this particular part of the chapter did not feel dystopian it was too raw it felt too much like our lived reality and it was just so sad well, the fact that, like, my immediate thought went to school shootings that have happened in our time or, like, just before a time that we learned about and, like, led up to us having to do mm-hmm. those drills in class is, like, that's sad that that's not dystopian. That's a reality. That All I could think about dystopian. was Parkland. Yeah. 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 I'm right near um, Newtown uh, in Connecticut, so yeah. it's... Virginia Tech, Columbine, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, okay, um, anyway, what else for chapter nine, uh, I, I was very just, like, impressed might not be, like, the quite right thing, but just, like, August in this chapter where he's fighting through his hunger and is still giving Kate honest answers and, like, not making them intentionally vague, I was impressed that he had the control to be able to do that and, like, was choosing to do that, to give, like, not vague Mm -hmm. answers Um, because, you know, he has to share this time with her and, like, doing as much as he can to relate to her and have honest conversations might be what saves them both. And so he was being really mature about that, I think, to an extent. Um, And I, I, you know, I understand and appreciate his perspective around the whole, like, humanity thing, that, like, instead of trying to run away and escape from everything around you, like, taking stock 
and putting your face sort of into the sun, in air quotes, of these small moments is what's going to make life yeah. worth it. Like, mm-hmm. Kate just wants to, like, either run away or fight it. Like, she can't appreciate the small moments and the beauty of small moments, and that's what August really wants to do and, like, envies that humans can do that so easily. And then gets frustrated when they choose not to. Um, and it just, it always brings me back to the conversation that's like, well, the grass may be greener on the other side. And it's like, well, you might not find greener grass on the other side. So enjoy the grass that you have now. Mm-hmm. And it's realism. And so I just, I really appreciated that. Um, I also just, I, I know you were kind of talking about this with like the car dying and how that's like so emblematic of road trip stories. I hate it so much <laughs> um like especially when they die out of nowhere when you're actually driving that happened to me I don't know if I've told you this story that happened to me once in the middle of the freeway when I was like 16 or 17 my fuel pump gave out in my car and I was in the middle of the freeway I think you told me this oh my god yes it was the most terrifying thing I've ever been through like Thank God. That's my nightmare. And I drove a Tahoe. Like, I did not drive a small car. And it broke down, like, right in an on-ramp. Like, at, like, at the intersection of the on-ramp. So, like, all of these, like, trucks were, like, trying to go around me because it was near a shipping area. And it was so stressful. Thankfully, this, like, very nice Marine guy, like, veteran Marine, who had this massive-ass truck towed me to the side to just, like, get me safe so I could call a tow truck. Because, like, again, I drove a Tahoe. Like, I could not have gotten that car to the side of the road with just anything. So, thankfully, this man, like, stopped and realized that I was, like, in distress and, like, towed me to the side of the road. Um, But it was seriously the scariest thing I've ever gone through. And even when I was, like, off on the side of the road waiting for the tow truck to come, like all of these massive semis were just, like, whizzing past me to get onto the freeway, and I'm just, like, there in my stopped car, and, like, my Tahoe was, like, shifting with the wind of the semis. (laughs) Scariest thing I've ever been through. So, like, I was having, like, traumatic flashbacks while reading this chapter. (laughs) Completely different situations. Like, mine was in the middle of the day, theirs is at night. Mine was a Tahoe, not a stolen car, a freeway, not an abandoned road, but, like, the semi matters in both cases, so. Running out of fuel is honestly, like, one of my personally biggest fears. Irrational, nonetheless, but still. Like, it is terrifying. I used to cry when, you know how, like, a lot of cars have that beep that goes off when you're getting low on fuel, just to be like, hey, like, just a reminder, go put some gas in the tank mm-hmm. I would like cry when that went off when I was on a road trip with my parents because <laughs> like you don't want to get stuck somewhere on the side of the road like that right. like on a highway the freeway like it doesn't matter I don't want to be stuck anywhere well and I never gas. I never let myself get low like low low on gas I'm never below a quarter of a tank ever in my life me too but like when my Tahoe gave out again my fuel pump just broke. Yeah, that's Like, I had gas in the tank. The fuel pump just decided it didn't want to distribute it anymore. 
And when your fuel pump breaks, everything breaks. Like, the entire car shut down. I couldn't get the radio on. Like, it, it kills the battery. It kills everything. I want you to write a book that just centers around a girl whose fuel pump breaks on the freeway and she has to like get home because <laughs> you know it's funny that you say that because uh I was thinking about this yesterday I was talking to my mom completely unrelated but I feel like I should write a biographical story of all of my horrible travel stories like a collection <laughs> of short stories of all my horrible travel stuff because my mom was telling me about my aunt went to she like was going to their condo in Florida and she had just gotten there but she had to, like, reroute, like, once or twice. And my aunt was like, this is one of the top five worst travel experiences I've ever had. My aunt's, like, 58, right? So, like, she's had a – and she travels a lot. So she's had a long mm-hmm. life to have gotten her top five travel stories. And getting rerouted, like, once and having to wait for a flight, like, wouldn't Horrible. even make – wouldn't even make my top five worst travel stories because I'm <laughs> fucking cursed. No, what you should do is make it into an actual fictional novel and it just happens to one person over the course of like a month. She's just trying to travel to places. It keeps happening. But there's no resolution. That's the most depressing <laughs> story ever. Maybe I'll make it a romance novel about like a girl <laughs> who's cursed but she wants to travel so much and a guy who like never wants to leave but he like love ends up falling in love with her like in their small town and so he's like yeah I'll travel with you and then all of these like hijinks ensue and then he's like I'm never getting on a plane again and she's like no and that's like their conflict but then they have to resolve this is my idea nobody can have it if you're listening to this podcast it's mine or what if what if she gets a um what if it's like a Hallmark movie where she gets She's in the small town and she gets a um, job offer in the big city, right? She's like, okay, gotta move across the country to this big city. And so she keeps trying to leave and something keeps happening. And then she's like, and like, there's the good guy in, in town who she grew up with, right? And she's super close friends with. He's trying to help her and she's just not having it. And then they bond and then they fall in love. And she's like, maybe I don't have to leave after all. Except I did leave, so... Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm looking for love or in the big city. Maybe she does end up moving, and the guy realizes, oh, maybe I should move for her. And he moves for her. To the big city. Perfect Hallmark Christmas movie. Because then you can have the travel problems of, like, a snowstorm. It works perfectly. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Hallmark, call us. <laughs> We'll write the screenplay for you. We will. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yeah. Speaking of, if anyone's interested in hearing about all of my horrific travel stories that I've had in my twenty six years, um, let us know. We can make it a bonus on Instagram. It's gonna last twenty four hours. <laughs> it's there's a lot of stories. There are a lot of stories. Oh, I have fond memories of just like being in an Uber with you, going to various places, and you would just tell me. <laughs> over the course of the various ubers <laughs> there's just so many there are i swear i'm like friendly reminder i'm only 26 i'm like yeah i've traveled a lot but i'm only 26 like i'm cursed i have a curse you literally had a problem going to vermont of all places <laughs> i know 
Like, and it, it nothing happens with Vermont. It wasn't <laughs> in the just summertime. A, it wasn't just a problem getting to Vermont. It was like, like it's one thing that they had to have me stay overnight in Philly because I missed my flight to Burlington. Fine, like whatever, it happens. My flight from Seattle to Philly was delayed. It's fine. But then they were like, oh, but all of our airport hotels are full for a conference. <laughs> so they drove me to Media, Pennsylvania and put me in a Holiday Inn. But the Holiday Inn was mostly full. So they only had smoking rooms available. So I'm staying 40 minutes from the airport and they rescheduled me on a 6 a.m. flight. And then it was a smoking only room and I'm a non-smoker. Like, what? You can't make it up. <laughs> no one's that creative to come up with my travel stories. Like, it's just... Anyways, that was all I had for chapter 9. <laughs> just chapter 10. Me and transportation. We have a lot of trauma done. <laughs> so good. <clears throat> chapter 10. What did you, what did you feel about chapter 10, Julie? I just love that Kate so nonchalantly is like, this flashlight is going to keep us safe on this road in the middle of this deserted place where we're probably going to die. <laughs> and hopefully a truck will come along and save us. And then like conveniently, a truck just like meanders along. <laughs> a couple minutes later, I'm like, what are the chances? Only in YA books would this happen. Um... I hate but when truck I, drivers stop for things. I hate it. It skeeves me out. I don't like it. Oh, hitchhiking, no matter the context, it scares me so much. I know that in, like, other parts of the world it's a little bit more common, but just the fact that, like, this is set in the United States, right, even if it's dystopian, like, and just the fact that we are, we grew up in the United States, hitchhiking, you learn, is not it. It's not where it's at. <laughs> Too I many mean, Ted Bundy kind of stories to want to hitchhike and think about hitchhiking. Well, but I think that's the important thing. Like, in this case, it's a boy and a girl hitchhiking. So you have mixed genders. It's true. I think as women, we are much more scared of hitchhiking yeah. than, like, a guy our age would be. True. That is because, true. because the serial killers all targeted women. And all of their murders were sex crime based in the 80s and the 90s. Ted Bundy. <laughs> Siri yeah. thinks I was asking her questions about serial killers. <laughs> Siri wants to join the podcast. <laughs> um, Siri also has strong opinions about hitchhiking as a robotic woman. <laughs> well, it's because serial. Oh, so- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did it just go off again? No, it didn't. I, I was, like, holding it upside down. It's my watch. It's very sensitive. Oh, okay. My Apple Watch is so sensitive. Got it. Okay. Um, I love the whole star thing. Um, I feel like that was something that I related to a lot. Like, I grew up in the countryside. I never was deprived of stars. Like, I could see all of the constellations for days. <laughs> Um, we had plenty of meteor showers. We always saw, you know, yeah. um, the, we saw the Milky Way. and mm-hmm. But there's something, like, when I've gone from the city, like, even where I am in Connecticut, which is, like, a suburb now, 
you don't see the stars as easily because we are in close proximity to New York City. Right. Um, as you would in the countryside of Vermont, which I miss so much. And, like, any time a character in any book looks up to, like, view the stars, I'm like, ah, me too. Dude, light pollution is a bitch. It is a bitch. It, it deprives you. The... I honestly feel like looking up at the stars is just as healthy as soaking in the sun. Doesn't mm-hmm. give you any vitamins, but it gives you some serotonin, I'm sure. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, this isn't a pop culture reference related to the chapters, so that's why I'm going to make it now, because what you just said reminds me of it. But there is this, I tried to make you read this, and you just <laughs> refused. Um, it's fine. <laughs> but that, that... <laughs> The the Dragon Prince series I shared with you. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> you did try to get me to read that. You're I like, didn't refuse. I just never got around to it. You were like, no, you did not want to read a mass <laughs> market paperback fantasy novel from the 90s, Julia. Like, let's be real. <laughs> it's okay. It's fine. It's my favorite. It's not everyone else's favorite. It's, I'm okay with that. But um, To be fair, you didn't force it on me either. You, you were nice about it. Yeah, I put it in a bag with eight other books that I <laughs> sent you home with. <laughs> Completely normal behavior. Yep, for sure. My mom keeps asking me when I'm going to open up a library in my house because she's worried my book problem's True. out of control. She's not wrong. Um, but you no, should just so, start a lending library outside of your house. But you that doesn't that? work with like the way my condo's set up. Oh. And I don't know if I can do it on the sidewalk, because I think I have to get approval from the HOA. Rude. I know. It's dumb. I live on a private road. It just is what it is. But I've I've thought about it. But there's also one, like, in the, not in the complex, but in the, like, cul-de-sac, like, right across from us. So I think it's a little too close. Mm. I'll just Mm. start using theirs. (laughs) They had a Game of Thrones about the last time I walked by. So oh, nice. They've got they get some pretty good pretty good selections in there. I'm gonna start dropping off book of the month books I don't want anymore. Um but anyways, this the Dragon Prince series, there are these people called Sun Summoners in the book, but it's not it's not like Alina Starkov. <laughs> which is I know where your brain went. Um I they may not actually be called summoners, but they do, like, communicate with the sun and they use light. So they do, um, they get these, like, ten rings makes you a master and you kind of, like, earn each ring based on the skills you acquire while you're in training. Um, and so they learn to do different things where they can communicate via the light of the sun and the moon. So they basically weave sunlight and moonlight. Um, to be able to send messages to other, like, weavers. Um, and they can, like, recognize color patterns because each weaver has their own unique color pattern. And they can, like, use the light to, like, search far distances and, like, kind of, like, mentally, like, see everything that's going on via, like, the use of the available sun and moonlight. Um, but then there's, like, a whole subset of people who have learned to do it with starlight, which is a lot more unreliable. So when you were talking about, like, starlight being just as good as the sunlight, it made me think of the weavers. Yep. I make totally normal connections in my daily life. I love that we also went on a tangent in a tangent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Because we know this is going to be a short fire. episode, and so we're just going all over it. going place. with it. I love it. Um, what else did you have for chapter 10? Uh, I think that was it. Oh, was I'm it. really concerned about Kate giving away her medallion. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I am not. concerned. Uh, I, like, just feel like she's not really thinking this through, but... No. Yeah, oh, that and then, broke my heart, too. Yeah. I, like, don't know where it's going to lead, but I'm just... General concern, <laughs> you know? It's fair. Um, well, I mean, like, I know that her dad's not great, but, like, he gave that to her as a specific gift, and it was his own personal medallion at a point in time. So to bargain it away, like, so quickly and so easily, just yeah. to get further away from him, like, st- stings a little bit. Because I yeah. don't think, and I know we've made comparisons in the past, but, like... Harker's not as bad as Paris. Yeah. They have similarities, but Harker is not as bad as Paris. And I don't think that Kate needs to be, like, that unnecessarily cruel. Not that she's intending to, but it feels cruel in a way. Though who knows, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe he put a GPS tracker in it and, uh, he's gonna find the truck driver. Oh, God. And let Sloane at him. Yeah. Um. Well, I feel like also, like, her medallion should be something special, right? Being Harker's daughter. But that guy doesn't know. He just knows that it's a pretty medallion. Because he doesn't live in V-City. He doesn't know the details. He doesn't know who Kate is. True. He's just a truck driver. Anyway. Don't think she thought that one through. Definitely not, Uh, no. Good luck, Kate. I also had in here, I highlighted the quote, of all Harker's men, what were the odds of Sloan sending an innocent? Did the Malkai know Sunai could only feed on sinners, or was it just bad luck? Uh, talking about the the guy in the garage that August mm-hmm. had been fighting that he couldn't kill. Yeah. Had me a little bit nervous. <laughs> I didn't think of that <laughs> initially when mm-hmm. this was brought up. I was like, hmm... I feel like Sloane knows what he's dealing with. Like, and how does I know, he know? I'm going back to my original theory that Sloane and Leo are somehow linking up and partnering and Leo is somehow giving hints. But then, like, he would be giving away details about his own family. And I feel like Leo, as brutal as he is, has to have some feeling of protection over Ilsa and August, but I don't know. Maybe he really is. I think the hard part with Leo is I don't I don't disagree with you. I think Leo does have a sense of familial bond with them, but I would not say that that familial bond manifests in the form of needing to protect them because they're mm. Sunai. They're indestructible. Leo thinks he's a badass motherfucker, and I think he thinks his siblings can be that too if they just apply themselves. So like what could a puny little Malkai do to these three badass powerful Sunai like he has such a sense of self-importance that I think that that extends to his view of his siblings that they could never get hurt so like what does it matter yeah if he can achieve another goal if he's trading information about Sunai Mm -hmm. for something that 
um, Sloan has, maybe. I don't know. Oh, Leo, don't do this to us. Now, the question is, does he care about Henry and Emily? True. I feel like he doesn't. I feel like he he thinks he's superior. Like, that much I, I almost 100% feel like, mm-hmm. like I'm good on that one. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, the last thing I had was... Um, at the end, we see the truck driver rolling up his sleeves and that there's a, uh, some scar, some corsi. What is going on out there in the waist? Also, like, I don't quite, I guess, understand how corsi function. Like, can they feed just a little bit on humans and just, like, be like, okay, I'm good, and then, like, send the humans on their way? <laughs> no. But... Corsi, as the basest of the monsters, are the easiest to kill. So I feel like the, what happened is the truck driver scuffled driver. with some Corsi, oh. corsi got the scratches, corfi. but the Corsi, yeah, I'm <laughs> uh, I need dinner. Um, but, like, he he scuffled with some Corsi, got the scratches, but in the course of the scuffle, probably got a beam to the head. Because, remember, they're the easiest mm, to kill. Yeah. If you hit light in their head, they're dead. You hit them with metal, they're dead. Except they're shadows, that's kind of hard to do. But Yeah. But maybe he's practiced, I don't know. Anyway, that uh, scared me a bit for uh, Kate and August. So. Fair. Um, I, August's stress levels at the beginning of this chapter were stressing me out so much. Like, I hated it a ton. Though he I was- needs the Snickers. I was glad he was doing, he was doing, like, breathing, doing some counting Mm -hmm. to get his anger under control. So, like, very good therapy techniques that August was exhibiting. But the stress was really making me stressed out. So, like, I was having to do my anxiety techniques that my (laughs) therapist has given me to, like, calm down while I was reading it. Uh, And then I, I loved, I loved the moment um, when they were talking about the stars, kind of going back to our earlier points when Kate's like well people are made of stardust maybe you are too like that was such an equalizing (laughs) moment between the two of them and it just uh warmed my heart that she's like maybe we're not that that different after all where is this coming from with Kate like how did she like go from like beating people up in a bathroom to be like we are equals to a monster that she wanted to kill like 10 chapters ago uh well he gave her stitches she's like i love you now (laughs) yep pretty much they literally like traded places like now he's the moody one and she's like like oh like stardust stars here's my medallion have fun (laughs) i just think it's funny it is really funny Loved it. Um, but that was literally, I mean, I, I said the other things that I was feeling as we were going through. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of general commentary for these chapters. It was pretty quick. It was pretty short. It's the mini road trip that we were all waiting for, I guess. Um, that is, I wasn't waiting for it, but you know what? I was okay with it. It's obligatory in YA, didn't you know? Even if it's on a horse, it could be in a mechanical robot. Um, pop culture? Yeah. I keep coming up with random ones that are very bad, so. Of course you do. (laughs) 
Um, uh, what do you got for chapter nine? I only have one. I'm trying to find it. Where did she go? Oh, here it is. Oh, uh, I feel like I have deja vu. Maybe we did this before, but the when they're talking about like the settlement in the waste and like people kind of like just not wanting to be part of the city, not wanting to be part of um, anything really, they just yeah. want to like fend for themselves. Remind me a lot of that uh, in the Divergent series. The kind of I don't know if they had their own name, but the sort of vigilante group that Trist ends up joining, where. Um, Four, is it four? What's his name? Four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Four's four. mother or something is is the head of. Um, this is like past that. her joining Dauntless, right? Like in yeah. the second and third books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of like in the wastelands of the Chicago dystopian city that they're living in, where mm-hmm. they live between the cracks. Um, I need to reread Divergent. <laughs> I know. It's been literally, like, I don't think I've read it in years since before the movies came out. Well, and I don't... The movies ruined it for me. I've only read this series once, and I was definitely not in the right headspace when I read them, because I read them all in one week. Yeah. Freshman year, on spring break, when I was in Hawaii, because that was, uh, like, right as I was getting on the plane to go to Hawaii, I found out that my high school ex-boyfriend had killed himself, and so I went into a book Mm. spiral for the entire week I was in Hawaii and refused to leave my room. So I should probably reread those in, like, a better headspace. Yeah. I, like, except for the ending, I just remember, I think I said this before, Divergent used to be one of my top all-time favorite series. That... Shatter Me and Marie Lou's book, like Legend or Legendary mm-hmm. or whatever it was Legend. called. Yeah. Um, those three series I had on rotation throughout high school. And then yeah. I just dropped them once I got to college. You're like, I am no longer YA? Fuck <laughs> that. I was like, I'm too old for this now. <laughs> I'm too fancy for this bullshit for children. And then I like graduated college and regressed. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. It's a good series. The only problem is the ending. Like, I yeah, do think it's... Like, I agree. Maybe I'll reread it, too, because it's been long enough now. And, like, I feel like the whole thing was... The movie really ruined it because I hated the movie. I never oh saw God. the rest of the series. Julia, after we finish our other two books, should we just do Divergent? For the yeah, podcast? I think that we should. I, I Honestly, that would be so fun. To drunk talk about Divergent. I would have so many thoughts. <laughs> <gasps> All right, I new plan. New plan. After we finish okay. our next two books, that's gonna be that's gonna be it for us. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be so fun. Oh God, I love it. I love it. Nostalgia I think all just serious. What else? That was the only one you had, Divergent. Yes, for chapter, chapter nine. nine. Okay. Um, okay, so see, I th- took the waste in a couple of different ways. Um, the description of the people who, like, brave it and make the supply runs and, like, are just, like, out there. Like, they're like, yeah, we'll fight the monsters. We don't want society. Fuck that. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, felt very, like, Mad Max to me. Like, mm, these just yeah. crazy people creating their that's own society one. in the middle of nowhere. They're like, we'll do anything to survive, but that's because they aren't sane. And they don't know how to function in an actual society. 
So it reminded me of that. It also reminded me, um, you haven't read these, but you know I read, I mean, I'm reading Dance of Thieves right now, but the, the book series before that is called um, The Kiss of Deception. Like, the, it's called The Remnant Chronicles. And there was a prequel to The Remnant Chronicles, which kind of describes how the country that The Remnant Chronicles was originally based in sort of, like, came to be. Um, and so the idea is that there, like, there was this whole big thing with the gods destroying society. But the gods decided that there would be a remnant, a chosen remnant, um, that would be, like, the chosen humans that got to continue to live in the world. So basically, like, the, the Jews mm-hmm. in the Bible kind of a vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the chosen people. But then there were also scavengers that somehow also survived, and they would, like, annoy or just, like, work around whatever the remnant were doing, and the remnant were kind of these, like, clueless people that didn't quite actually know what it took to survive in all cases, and then the scavengers were the people who were, like, nitty-gritty, like, doing anything that it could, that they could to, like, keep going, um... And so in the prequel, they kind of talk about the dichotomy between the remnant and the scavengers because, like, an indi- individual who's leading the remnant falls in love with the scavenger and it's like a whole Romeo and Juliet thing. But it just reminded me of the scavengers because they were basically like cockroaches that just kept on surviving no matter what was thrown at them. Uh, and then suicide cults were mentioned in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So it always reminds me of Bee Tree. Oh, God. But I have a yeah. memory. I can't not read about suicide cults and not think about Gus. Like, I can't. Also, I just love that, like, it's like suicide cults. Yeah, I just thought of Bee Tree. Like, <laughs> that should not be a sentence. <gasps> I didn't write it. Emily like, Henry did. You know, I just love that you were like, you should read Beatry. And I was like, okay. And then it's not a Beatry. Well, yeah, it's like, <laughs> and the beach that they're talking about is like on Lake Michigan in October. <laughs> I'm so confused. That book is so badly named, but it's a great book. I love it, though, because that's what makes it so quirky. Just don't, you, go in expecting romantic fiction. Do not go in expecting a rom-com. Those are not the same thing. Oh, God. Romance genres, they're very important to know the differences. Um, But, yeah, so anytime suicide culture mentioned, it it reminds me of uh, Betrayed. I think I mentioned that, like, when Kate was talking about cults back in, like, chapter three of verse one. Um... But it also reminded me, like, I don't remember, I don't really remember watching this, but, like, it clearly popped into my head. And I don't know if you ever saw this, but there was this short film that the actresses from Pretty Little Liars were in, but just the ones that played Spencer and Emily. So Troyan, Belisario, and then Shay Mitchell. Okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I looked it up, so we're good. Okay, so <laughs> Troy and Belsario and Shay Mitchell are in this short film that came out way after PLL ended, um, but they were in a suicide cult. Oh. But they didn't die. Like, everyone took a pill, and then they woke up. 
the next morning. And so they spend the rest of the short film, like, figuring out what that means for them and, like, having to, like, deal with their religious thoughts and, like, whether or not they were no longer chosen or, like, what that actually meant. Um, so it's not the same as, like, stepping off a building, which is what's mentioned in, in these chapters, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know, the imagery of, like, suicide cult, something about it just, like, triggered, triggered that short film in my brain. It was really well acted. Like, I actually thought it was a pretty good short film, if you don't mind looking at a bunch of corpses. Yeah. So, it's probably, like, 12 minutes long, so if you ever get bored, check it out on YouTube. Um, and then, keeping on with my really positive uh, pop culture references, the... Sort of, like, you know, going back to, like, school shootings and the way that August was born, like, how he describes it, I couldn't help but, like, think about the school shooting that almost happens in season two of 13 Reasons Why. Um, I don't know if you have watched that show, but... I'm never going to watch that show. (laughs) It was so horrific. They didn't actually... I think they stopped him before he committed the shooting, and I don't even remember the character's name. That's, like, how detached I was from that show, because, like, I could not finish it. But they did some horrific things to that kid to trigger him enough to want to do a school shooting, because he was just, like, so confused about his sexuality, and, like, it was disgusting. Um... And they perpetrated so much violence on this one kid that violence was the only way he knew how to respond, which is why he was planning this school shooting. And so it just, it kind of reminded me of that. But I don't need to watch more trauma porn, and I recommend other people do not watch trauma porn either. Yeah, that's, let's not. (laughs) Let's not even produce it. Blame Selena Gomez. Did she have a part in that? She's the executive producer of that show. Oh god, I didn't even realize that. Oh, and god. she was the one that like had yeah. to She was the one that had to come out and defend season 1 because they had her actually slit her wrists in the bathtub what? on season 1 and so parents were furious because they were like showing how you could actually commit suicide. Oh god. That was a mess. I mean, season one was actually really good, and I really loved the book, too, but it's it's trauma porn. It's trauma porn, the way it was portrayed, the way season two went, it's it's too much for me. I just, I need happier things in my life. We should have put a trigger warning on this episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> let anyway. Me, let me make a note for myself. I'll put it in the, the show notes. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Um, what do you have for chapter 10? Uh, lighter things. Um, very much lighter things. The first thing I have is, um, when, she, when he goes to, uh, lean on her and they have this kind of moment and it looks like she's going to say something deep and then all she says is, your hand is hot. On <laughs> my mind, immediately went to Pride Friendship. 2005 your hands are cold (laughs) i have problems it should not be that simple to trigger yes it should you've Um, seen that movie so many times my okay on my birthday uh well my quote unquote birthday which um was more just like 
Julia Day because it happened a month after my birthday when I was celebrating it belatedly with my parents. Mm-hmm. You, normally, I ask to watch like Harry Potter or Pride and Prejudice because like I get to pick the movie on my <laughs> birthday, which is exciting because my family's very serious about our movies. Oh, and no oh one I ever know. wants to watch those. Oh, I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> It is a serious matter in my household. I mean, my dad used to be a film, like, wannabe film director, so it makes sense, but... And he's still anyway. an academic film critic in many ways. Exactly. Yes. I want him to go into film criticism after uh, he retires, but... Anyway, moving on. Tangent. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so we were watching that on my uh, birthday, or we, I, we usually watch that on my birthday, and... This year, I didn't really want to watch anything. And both my parents were like, you don't want to watch Pride and Prejudice? And my dad goes, I kind of wanted to watch it this year. And I was like, what? So we didn't end up watching it, but it was just so funny. Oh I'm holding God. on to it, though. I'm like hoping that he'll still want to watch it in a couple of weeks when I see him. <laughs> anyway, oh, um, I also I had a couple more. Let's see what else I had. Oh, this isn't really a pop culture reference, although he is like mainstream. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, when they're talking about you're made of stardust, you are actually made of stardust, which comes from Neil. Well, it comes from a lot of different science, but Neil deGrasse Tyson has his famous speech of why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> this is two of my pop culture references. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh my god, you're fine. You're fine. He doesn't finish your thought. Um <laughs> I just have this quote um which I love cuz it reminds me so that when I look up at the night sky and I know that yes, we are part of this universe. We are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. Remind me a lot of like uh Kate being like like you're made of stardust. But scientifically, we are prob- probably made of stardust, so Fun fact. Thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. We are. Sure. Um, we'll come back to yours. I have two. I have two more. <gasps> oh my god! Wow. Oh well, one's pretty general. It's uh the, the driver going kids these days. Just like reminds me of any angsty teen movie where like you have the old guy going like kids these days. What are they up to? <laughs> also, every time you talk to me. <laughs> True, there we go. <laughs> and any, any millennial on TikTok. <laughs> yes. Yes, kids these days. I, like, honestly do worry, though, like, about kids these days with TikTok. Like, I don't think I would have survived high school with TikTok. TikTok, that is just brutal. Um, but I also just reread Crooked Kingdom. Surprise, surprise. Um, and... This driver conveniently coming along to pick them up just reminded me so much of Cricket Kingdom when Wylan and Jesper are out on the road to go to visit Wylan's mother's grave. Mm -hmm. Um, Without spoiling anything. Uh, Conveniently, this guy comes along and is like, hey, you need a ride? (laughs) Yeah, you can have a job for you if you want. Um, Just like the convenience of it. Like, oh yeah. Like, so as soon as you step off the boat, as soon as you step out of the car, this person comes along to pick you up. Okay, sure. Well, that's also um, like the conductor in the Shadow and Bone show that they like so went convenient. with. <laughs> the crows need to stop getting into cars with people that are convenient. Like, what are they doing? Yep. Idiots. 
Um, but that's all I had. What did you have? Okay. So, this was a very, very random thought. But, like, at the beginning of the chapter, right, August has to, like, step away, take some deep breaths, get his rage under control, and all I could think about is characters that don't get their rage under control. Like, they try, and then they fail, and they end up raging anyways, and two very different, yet honestly very similar characters came to mind when I was thinking of that. Um, the first one would be Rin from the manga. <laughs> she cannot. She has no control. <laughs> ever get her rage under control. Um, and then uh, Tyler Perry's Medea. So on a scale of Tyler Perry's Medea and Rin, how much control do you have over yourself? Are you in August, perfectly in the middle? I mean, you know, I'm just saying, like, both of them are pretty much on that scale of 10. Like, they're, Rin and Medea both, like, lose their shit constantly. Like, just all the fucking time. But, like, they're both very different points of reference for different, you know, cultural bodies. So. It's so good. It's, I don't, my brain does weird things. We've talked about this. Um, so, okay, then going to the star, the star dust thing. Um, the comet predates Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is a, another reason why I was making that face. It, it really ties to Carl Sagan saying we are all made of star stuff from his <laughs> 1970s TV show Cosmos on PBS. <laughs> I don't know that that counts as pop culture, but that's what I was thinking of was Carl Sagan like talking about we all were all made of star stuff and like the fact that we're all made of the things that come from stars through like nuclear fission and all of that stuff. But then, I don't know if you ever saw this, um, but, like, I don't know, when we were in college, probably, maybe high school, actually, I don't know, there was, like, a meme video, like, circulating YouTube and the internet with clips from Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and Bill Nye talking about being made of star stuff and, like, like, how we all exist in the universe, and it was, like, an auto-tuned, clipped-together version from oh their different TV shows and, like, different appearances. I have never seen that. I'm gonna look it up later. You should. I'll see if I can find it and send it to you, but it's, like, an auto-tuned song. I'm pretty sure I still have it on, like, an iPod somewhere, because I was obsessed I with this. it. I listened to this quote-unquote song all the time, so the the whole Stardust thing just reminded me, first of that song... Which is then how I was introduced to Carl Sagan, which is where the original quote came from. That we're all made of star stuff. So, we're all made of stardust, we're all made of star stuff. It's pretty, pretty close. Uh, And then, um, where Kate's, like, talking about both of Like, she's trying really hard to make them be on the same page. Like, maybe you're made of star stardust too august right like trying to find that equal playing field my brain went to the place my brain always goes which is um uh pokemon the first movie and this is the movie (laughs) where we meet mewtwo for the first time oh my god 
I thought you were going to say Veronica Mars or The Princess Diaries. Surprise! Oh my god. <laughs> no, we're going to Chantel's real nerdy side. Anime. Um, but no, the, the, the first Pokemon movie with Mewtwo. Mewtwo has this quote, and I tried to get it as my senior quote in the yearbook, but they did not give me a senior quote in the yearbook. Rude. Um, but the quote basically says, and it's Mewtwo after all of the clones have been fighting, because he's made clones of all the Pokemon and thought that the clones would be superior because he made them, because he was a clone. Um, so he was, like, different from the original Mew, who he's fighting throughout the course of the movie. And then eventually everyone's kind of, like, a big mess, and he, like, breaks down, and he's like, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you truly are. And I love that quote. It is too simplistic for the world that we live in today, but I feel like it really applies to this one particular situation between Kate and August, because I think Kate's finally starting to see that, that it's like, August is not how he was born. August is this person next to me that's making choices and wants to live and wants to be a good person. And so, like, she's getting to that point of seeing that about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the way August talks about getting to see stars for the first time, I was just thinking of the song Stars from the Mean Girls musical. <laughs> Your brain. I can't with it. I don't know. And then, like, you you made a truck driving pop culture reference. All I could think about was the octopus driving the truck and finding Dory. I'm quitting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) To be fair, the last two I made after I started to drink wine. Okay, that makes more sense. (laughs) Oh my god. Those are my pop culture references. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Should, uh, should should we do MVPs, Julia? Yes, I think that we should. I think it's your turn this week. Oh. Is it, though? I think it's... Isn't it? Because I think yeah, I chose I think you first, chose last, Elsa week. first yeah. last time. Oh, I hate going first. Um, okay. I'm... Not, nobody was... In these two chapters were very great. <laughs> they both struggled. They both struggled a little bit. Um, I'm gonna go with Kate again because I feel like she's finally starting to see the humanity and the personhood in August (laughs) and, like, letting herself actually, like, relate to and empathize with that to an extent. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also really appreciate that, like, She's trying to be really solutions-oriented. She's checking in on him, like, are you doing okay? Are you sure you're doing okay? Like, she's actually asking the questions and, like, not being as self-centered as she has been in a couple of the last chapters. She's trying to find ways to make her pain more bearable without making it a burden on August as they're going through the road trip. She's bearing the brunt of the decision-making. Like, she has to do all the driving. She's the one that negotiates with the driver because August is just, like, off his cocoon of hunger and isn't really being super helpful and is kind of just being a grumpy brat um in a lot of ways and so I think she she really steps up 
in these two chapters. What about you? All right. I'm giving it to the truck driver because <laughs> I just don't think August deserves it. I, I mean, he's going through some stuff. He's really trying, but um, uh, I just, I'm nervous for him. <laughs> I don't think he deserves an MVP this week. Yeah. So it's going to the truck driver. I do think it's questionable that he took the medallion without any questions asked. But, like, listen, it's a dystopian society. You got to fend for yourself. He is, has to be pretty brave to probably be f- defending himself against Corsi and be driving a truck through the waste. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing at a pretty regular schedule. Um, so good on him. Truck drivers are underappreciated in any sure. society. That's true. Well, and he's probably just going to sell off the medallion for the silver yeah. rather than, like, try to use it himself and, like, weasel his way into V-City. So. Yeah. Um, and then he is good for taking on the kids. Like, it's obviously in exchange for something, but... Um, I do think that he has a little bit of worry for them being like, why are these two kids out here? Like, ah, their car broke down. Okay, well, and he, he has morals. He's not, he's clear. I'm not smuggling you. I am not going to be doing something illegal and potentially, you know, finding myself in a jail cell. So, uh, good on him. We appreciate a moral (laughs) compass on a random truck driver. (laughs) Yep. We do. (laughs) As I said, truck drivers underappreciated now and then. <laughs> so, so true. Did I ever tell you that my mom's, like, dream job growing up was she wanted to be, like, a cross-country truck driver with a pet monkey? Like, a capuchin monkey a, that would just sit so on her specific. dash? <laughs> I think I think there was, like, a sitcom about that in, like, the 70s oh, okay. or the 80s with, like, a guy that drove around with a pet monkey <laughs> cab and um so yeah that was her dream job for a really long time hey i wanted to be a bus driver so (laughs) to be fair it was while i was living in germany and the buses in germany at the time were very clean and i do like the buses in germany (laughs) also you got to keep all the change i thought that people gave you (laughs) you thought you you drove and so you earned all of the fare Yes. <laughs> oh, naive, sweet young Julia. I know. Love it. So, Julia, what's your wine rating for these chapters? All right. Kind of similar to last week's, where it was a wine that is kind of out of place. They are now very much out of place. They are no longer in B-City. They are in True. ways where they really should not be. Um, so... But there was a concert! (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm comparing this to a uh, dry California Gewurztraminer, um, which I just butchered that name, excuse me. Gewurztraminer? Yes. Somewhere my uh, dad is crying. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Listen, it's actually technically Alsatian, so it's not even German, um... (laughs) <laughs> I know it doesn't matter. It's made in Germany, so nice try. Um, I actually like I have gotten so Americanized with that name Gewurztraminer that I think that it's not actually Gewurztraminer. I think it is Gewurztraminer or something when you'd say it with a German accent. 
I don't know. I don't drink it often, so I don't. I'm gonna look. Sure. I'm gonna look, gonna look this up. up. Okay. Yeah. While you look that up, I will continue my uh, rating. Uh, so I'm saying it's a six out of ten because it's pretty flat. It should not probably be made in California unless it's being made by very skilled professionals. Most of the time in California, uh, it is being um, it is being made for nostalgic reasons, not necessarily for the art of the grape, although I'm sure they would defend themselves and say they are doing it for the art of the grape, but I don't know. Um, similar to Kate being kind of nostalgic in here where she's like, I used to live beyond these borders. I used to see the lights of security or whatever she says. Um, but generally it's not, there's not a whole lot going on. Um, it would be much more exciting if it were back in its hometown, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It has some bumps to go through. <laughs> so six out of 10. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'm trying to find out how to pronounce this. Hold on. Give me okay. a second. Gewurztramina. Oh, interesting. Okay. This lady's definitely German. She's got an accent. So. I trust the this. The more you learn. Rita. Our good friend Rita from Pure Rita on YouTube. I love that. She has 51.3 thousand subscribers, so she must be an expert. <laughs> Everything on the internet is true. I mean, okay, but it's almost a four-minute-long video that's just called "How to Pronounce Gewurztraminer," and like, she spends the whole video talking about like how they're made, like how these particular wines are made, and like the region of the grape, and like German wines in general. And it's like, name your video something different. <laughs> This should be 20 seconds at most. I love that. <laughs> Justice for Grivert's Treminer. I honestly haven't had a Grivert's Treminer in like such a long time. I like Grivert's so. Treminers. I think they're pretty. I think I do too, but they're very fruity unless they're dry. Um, which is my. Well, problem. you know me. I like my I like my Riesling sweet, so it makes sense that I would like. Yeah. I like my uh, Rieslings dry, so. Oh, German wines. So fun. But yeah, no, California version. No, thank you. No. I have never had, actually had a California one. I've come across it. I think there was one at the Riesling Fest that I went to. Um, actually, maybe I did try it there, and it just, like, was very bland. Plain. There wasn't a yeah. whole lot. Of it. But, like, the thing was, I was chasing that in between really, really good Riesling, so I, it's yeah. not really a good place to judge that. But That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, what's your whining rating? 8 out of 10. August is a baby. And his stress is my stress. Kate, again, I think Kate does great in these two chapters. Like, she can get a little bit, like, on edge when August is on edge. And she's just like, I don't know how to deal with this. And kind of get a little angry about it. But, like, she's sucking up her pain. She's sucking up everything else. But August, like, can just not... He's doing his best to suppress his rage, suppress his instincts, like, work through it. Like, he's definitely doing all of the coping mechanisms that he needs to be doing in these moments. But, oh my god, he has so many feelings and he's just hangry. And it... 
taints he needs the chapters. <laughs> he needs the Snickers. He's he's just tainting the chapters with his angst, his hangry angst. Yeah. Um. So I think yeah, pretty pretty high eight out of ten for for this week. Pretty pretty fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. We've come to the end of this presentation on. I love that we somehow made these two chapters, which were really short and uneventful, into a really long podcast. Listen, I'm really sure that everyone, um, namely your uncle and Paulina, who are listening to this <laughs> podcast, care a lot about my travel stories and how my car broke down on the side of the road that one time. <laughs> Obviously. And that you can compare Kate to Pokemon. Medea. I I to be fair, I do not think this is the first Pokemon reference I've made on the pod. It's not. <laughs> it won't be the last. It definitely won't be. I'm honestly thinking about starting to rewatch the cartoon. Oh god, we're gonna get even more now. No, it'll be fine. It's gonna be yeah. fine. It's gonna be fine. Because uh-huh. you never bring up what you're currently reading and watching as pop culture references ever. Listen, everything relates. The world we live in is just too big. Everything it's feeds true. off each everything other. Everything is recycled. Yeah. Nothing just, is original. Everything is tropes, and I just know the tropes real well. And I've got lots of good references for the tropes. <laughs> It's why we added this segment into the podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, everyone should follow us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter, you can find us at UnAngstPod. And you can also email us at UnnecessaryAngstPod at gmail.com. Um, let us know if you would like a mini episode on Instagram of all of my top five horrible travel stories. <laughs> Told in a Hallmark edition. <laughs> Julia made into a love story that doesn't exist because I'm forever alone. Um, but Same. Julia can attest that my travel stories are very funny for other people who didn't have to experience the pain of and trauma of them. They are painful to hear about, but they are also very funny. <laughs> They're tragic. It's like, a true tragedy if only it was just lost luggage but it's not it's so much more (laughs) so much more than meets the eye so yeah so uh email us or comment on one of our instagram posts if you are interested in hearing some of those stories and i'll uh, i'll record them for you all um and I just remembered another one of yours. Which one? The one that you just recently went back through. Where you were stuck in New York City for like how long in JFK? Again, that wouldn't make the top five. They wouldn't, but I'm like thinking just like that you really cannot go anywhere without my, something happening. My mom literally, I was talk, I was telling you, I was talking to my mom about this yesterday, and my mom literally said, this is why every time I go on a trip with you, I just meet you there. 
I don't ever want to fly with you. You are cursed. No, thank you. At least your flight from Florida to Connecticut to meet me was uneventful. For the most part, yeah. It was generally uneventful yeah. compared to comparatively. Other <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, thanks everyone for tuning in this week to our crazy antics and tangents. Oh we, as always, appreciate it. Hope you all have a lovely week, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.